Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry, Metacasters. So, if you want to know why Bob's laughing, fast forward to the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Because we record the intro after uh, the episode, and Bob has this interesting I, visual imagery. I have a visual image of Josh that I just, I am scarred. I can't get it out of my head. But enough of that. Enough Int- of that. Intro yeah. So, we're going to get to the to the stuff that matters. Uh Planning poker, planningpoker.com. What's it for? What's it do? It helps you get better, just like the Metacast. Oh my god, what an I like that. It, it so it's not just it's not just simple estimation, right? Mm-hmm. That's what people I think we said this before on the Metacast, but it's really it's really an important thing. Planning poker is not just this estimation tour technique no it's not just throwing cards on the table it's not there was something there was all these point mechanisms historically like use case points and uh function points and and then story points and planning poker sort of implements a view to to story points but it's all of the old point mechanisms were just sort of this arithmetic way Mm -hmm. they didn't care about collaboration they didn't care about understanding they didn't care about conversation they cared about just getting numbers right uh, and they, and it was sort of relative. Use case points were sort of relative. But it was all around bean counters and project managers and mm-hmm. stuff. And one of the neat extensions to story points is this notion of planning poker and gaining relative estimates, but also inspiring the conversation around them, right? Yep. Uh, and that's where planningpoker.com can really help. With mm-hmm. distributed teams is getting all the numbers out there and then inspiring or creating this space for collaborative conversation around level of effort, yep. around complexity, around risk, around architecture. It's sort of, it, and I'm not just saying this, that planning poker, if done well, and if it done sort of from an informed perspective, creates the conversations necessary to figure out the work, right? And that's, that's, that's really, and, and having that tool really helps with that. And that's the value beyond the points. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, so, I don't. I really don't know what else to say on top of that. There's nothing. I, well, it's you not, nailed it, Bob. Thank you, Josh. But it it, it really it, it's. I'm not trying to cut through. It's not marketing speak. It's 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 the collaboration that's most important. It's not the numbers. Right. The numbers matter. The points matter. They matter for velocity. What matters ten times more. And if you listen to the Metacast, you'll see this is sort of the space that you create for conversation around that work. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a tool that helps facilitate that, it's like gravy. And that's planningpoker.com. Yes, it is. So if you like that, you want to take advantage of that, and you want to do it at a reduced rate. A, a what? A reduced rate. That's right. Promo the, codes. Promo, co- promo we, codes. What's our promo code? Promo code Medicast. It gives you 20% off your first month. Holy of, crap. Holy. I know. I, Batman. I know. Crazy. Ugh. Right. So there will be links below. Um, also, you can go to planningpoker.com slash metacast to learn more. Because, I mean, Bob nailed it, but you can learn more by going there. Absolutely. All so, right. Yeah. So on to the episode. On to the episode. You're going to enjoy it, Metacasters. So without further ado.
Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm blab- blabbering Bob Galen. <laughs> Apparently, I blabber all the time. So, Who welcome, said that? welcome me. You did. When? Just now. We have no recorded proof. We have no recorded proof of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was clearly blabbering and not listening to the blabbering. I'm an insulted Metacasters. He insulted me right before the Metacast. So, like, I have now, now I'm a little fired up. And he rose up like a cat arching its back. I did raise up. I couldn't help. I was like, what? <laughs> What did you say? <laughs> Blabber? Oh, jeez. So welcome to the Medicare. What are we yeah. going to what, do? We are going to continue our FAQ series. So the episode that was released prior to this was our first attempt at frequently asked questions. Uh, so we're going to continue that. Centered around all the travels Bob and I have had, helping teams, coaching teams, helping individuals. It's in whatever questions. If we, we hear it one more time, we're going to explode. Yes, we've heard it. Dozens, maybe and hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Yes. And it doesn't make it bad. It just means it's repetitive. It's a pattern. Uh, and we would like people to listen to this Metacast and then not ask those things anymore. <laughs> but I don't think that's yeah, real. It's, it's, it's not, not realistic. But now we'll have a reference point, just like episode 128 and 129. Please, just go listen to it. Yeah. In fact, hand out cards yeah. before. Don't ask any questions. Go to the fact first. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. All right. What's what's up? So what's, what's the, first the first one, one to start is the elusive Scrum Master role. The elusive. Do I need it? Can I just make a developer a Scrum Master? What about the dev manager? Or maybe a product manager or project manager? Let's just make them a Scrum Master. So Let's anyone just, can do it. Do I have to pay for yeah, it? Yeah, the role doesn't matter. Let's just yeah. rotate, put somebody in we'll it. Or rotate it. Like yeah. A, like on a daily basis, yeah. we'll flip a coin and or let the start. We'll go and see what our horoscopes say. Oh, I that's like a good that. one. Horoscope-driven scrum yeah. mastery. Okay, we, we, right. we should buy that domain. I that's a long <laughs> that's a long word. It may have some competition. Um, so, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, I I will admit faults in my past, and I have done. You were a cheap. I was a so cheap. and so. You, I was. You were cheap. I was, and we like, have covered that. On, 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 on it this is podcast, on, it is on record. Yes. It is, so I shouldn't abuse you too much. But yeah, you you were cheap. You weren't the cheapest person I've ever heard. I of. was cheap mostly because I was doing a lot of it myself. So I was filling in some of the gaps created by not having a truly experienced and skilled scrum master in the role and asking other people in other roles to add that to what they were right. doing. But I would fill in the cracks, and that. That got the job done, but it made scaling a challenge. So at the dude, I was blessed to have a scrum master that was a rock star from the start. And that enabled me to open my eyes and really see, oh, well, so when there's a scrum master here, it works like this and it's handled and I don't have to worry about it. And if I get a couple more people like that, imagine the things we could do. So that was an eye-opener for me, but there are so many people, including myself, that really cheap out on it. And even coaching goes into it. I was I do this Agile coaching circle periodic, like once or twice a month, and um, it's a freebie. People sign up for it. And uh, I forget this one guy. I won't name him anyway, but uh, a couple of sessions, he joined an organization as a coach, Scrum Master Coach, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they gave him 20 teams. Wow. So it was like... Uh, we have 20 scrum teams, right. and they hired him as a coach. And they, they literally, they being the leadership team, the senior leadership team, yeah. literally expected him to do 20 teams. And he tells the story of, you know, that he he 
clearly sort of understood his bandwidth, and he worked on four, I think. Right. Uh, and then they wanted a readout, like, how are all the 20 teams doing? Right. And they pulled him in, you know, one of those big Guma status meetings or something. And he went in, and he said, and to his credit, and he had courage. Uh, and I, I, I give a tip of the hat to the guy. And he's like, I haven't been doing 20. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how many have you been doing? And he's like, I've been doing four. Because that's my bandwidth. I have right. the bandwidth to do four. Uh, and, and then this is what was cool. And he's like, I, I wonder if you can tell which four I've been working with. Mm-hmm. And he, and he quizzed them. So he turned it around on them. And like, and he said they picked. He's like, Oh, team Joe is doing really well. Yep. Got, I got Joe and I'm working with Joe. Right. Uh, who else do you think I'm working yeah. with? <clears throat> and, and so he turned it around into what capacity, mm-hmm. but he also turned it into a value, like you value proposition. Right. Are you seeing a difference? Mm-hmm. And I like that. I thought it was courageous. And what was cool is an outcome. He's and and this is where I caught him on the uh, the coaching circle. Is he's hiring? He's hiring other scrum masters. Right. Good. Right. They created budget. Yeah. For him to do that, so they realize, oh, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's I, there's a lot of folks that just they don't understand the role. Uh, I th- when I say it's cheap, I actually mean it. That and you know this, mm-hmm. people would rather spend money on a developer. Than on like a tester, or they'd met rather, and as I think a scrum master is even lower on that pole, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you know, you mean I really have to spend budget for a scrum master? Right. I'd rather sort of massage it into my organization. Because if you go back prior to somebody adopting Agile, that role didn't exist. Yeah. Like, so wait a minute. So it's extra budget. You're telling me I got to spend more? Exactly. That doesn't make sense. Well, and it's, and it's on someone who has no value add. Right. If value added, so the ultimate value add in the technology hierarchy is what? Writing code, mm-hmm. typing keys to write code. Uh, what's below that? Maybe architect, no, architecture might be up in there, right? UX. Right. Design dynamics might a little bit lower. Then testers drop down a few banks. Then test cases? What are you talking about? I got to pay for test cases. Right. Well, why don't I just test? And so, so that's like down the, you know, the, the wrong mm-hmm. project manager is sort of a surrogate manager. So mm-hmm. they, Oh, I'll pay for one of those because they'll make everything happen. But then it's sort of the agile stuff, like product owners are the same. Yeah. Same the way. argument that I've taken to using and it's been successful is give me a good product owner or scrum master, whichever role. And that can accelerate six developers instead of just adding one developer and I can accelerate those six developers more than just adding one developer does. Right. So, but I've had a track record of proving that. So that's really helped me win that argument. And the challenge is getting people to understand or to run an experiment to validate that. I think that's the key. It's what I was, what the, uh, the coaching circle example shows. I, I don't think you, I don't think you're successful if you're, handing them books or handing them articles or doing something else. Right. You know what I mean? Did I just get too close or too far away? Yeah, I, I'm just... Are honest, you adjusting? I am. Let me adjust my head. Okay. <laughs> no. So, so I don't think... I don't think... I think you have to show people. Yeah. You have to show that it's... Even in your case, if I remember your story right, you were like, no, no, no. You weren't adamantly no, but you just didn't see the value problem. Mm-hmm. You had to have the aha moment yourself. Yep. Now, you didn't need a 50 of those. You needed just one I of those. I needed one, yep. You need that one aha moment, and I think that's the key. And it has to be a personal aha moment. You have to see the value proposition. Now, once you see that, then it's like it's it's a no-brainer. Right. Like me and Scrum Masters, right? If, if I, 
even if I paid it out of my pocket, I was like if I was starting up my own company. Yeah. If if I had a team, I would I would find a scrum master. I might I might cheap out if I'm like funding it out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. I might cheap out for like what I might have one scrum team and cobble it together or do mm-hmm. it myself. But if I start growing the company, yeah. I'm going to go for a scrum master at some point. I'm going to go for it. And immediately I'm going to look for a good product owner, mm-hmm. right? It's just, that's sort of, that creates the, the, the environment for a team to succeed, which is the bottom line. Yeah. Right? So number one, don't skimp out. Yep. Um, and have you ever seen it be successful when it's, I'm a developer and scrum master? No, it's, it's, so you, so you've never seen it. I mean, I mean, I, you can see they're sort of going along. But the reason I say it, it goes, I think that's what you're seeing is the high performance side. I don't want a mediocre team. I don't mm-hmm. want a team that's just limping along. If we're going to do it, let's do it well. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like a high performance or a moderately high performance scrum team, a mm-hmm. team, a team that's kicking ass a little bit. I have never seen these combos work really well with, and, and create a team that's like running on all cylinders. It's just mm-hmm. not, it, I just have yeah. never seen it. Me, myself personally, and it might be it might be better than what it was before, but you'll never really get to that true high performing team. So that's where I myself fell into the trap, right? I had some people in that role part time for just their team, and it made things better, but it didn't get to that true high performance. And I kept scratching my head, like, what's holding us back? You know, and and right. as I think back, it was that role was missing and was not accentuated or empowered by me right. as the person leading the team. And that was the thing that created the ceiling for us. And let's, let's be clear to be fair, to be clear, you were talking, let's use your example with the dude, you found a, a, a very, very solid scrum master. Mm-hmm. So when we say pay for a scrum master or pay for a product owner, it's not an average one. It's not a mediocre one. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, Someone who not only gets the tactics of the role, but over sort of really understands the nuance of the role. Yeah. Right. So it's not a scrum master who just conducts. It's not just a facilitator. It's not just a butt in the seat. It's not a butt in the seat that just runs a daily stand-up. That's, I wouldn't pay for that. I'm talking about a, a scrum master who understands sort of the the being agile and the doing agile, right? So the doing tactics and the being strategy mm-hmm. and really pushes the team. I'm talking about a product owner who doesn't just write stories, but they they meet they they balance, they represent the team well. They understand the customer well. They allow space for innovation. They uh, build stories with the team. Mm-hmm. Right? They allow time for technical stories and technical debt. They're well balanced, they're thoughtful, they're representative. They understand minimal viable everything. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of product owner and scrum master that I think is worth paying for. So right. it's not mediocrity right. or someone who just puts scrum master on their correct their resume. So the solution is not pay for somebody to go get certified as a scrum master and jam them into the role. That's that's not good enough either. Which is how many people operate. Right. Right. In fact, I wouldn't I don't think I've ever this is gonna sound sort of I don't know, sort of maybe asinine, but I don't think I've ever Send someone, let's say someone has never been a scrum master, so I send them to a two-day cert, and then they come back and I give them a team. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever done that, mm-hmm. right? I've given them, I've put them under the under mentorship of a scrum master, right? Right, and then they were mentored for a while, and then when they felt comfortable, so I I actually don't think that that any it doesn't matter what teacher you have, 
that a two-day cert is good enough to come back and actually be a scrum master. Right. Yep. It's, it's just not, it's, it's just, and it's like table stakes. And you don't, or what, like a driver's license, what is it? You know where you have the license? Yeah. The, the, the learner's permit. Yeah. It's like a learner's permit. You don't let that person. There's limits on how they can mm-hmm. drive and when they can drive, and and they need to they need to continue. And they to, need coached. They need coaching. Yeah. They do. It's yeah. like a learner's permit. Yeah. It's it's not a driver's. That's a great license. analogy, Bob. It isn't a bad analogy. Man, but but it's a lot of folks like throw them into a team. Yeah. So so what we're saying is we get the question a lot. So there's the cheapiness. And then there's also sort of not understanding what good looks like. Mm-hmm. And and that was your advantage in your story, yeah. right? It's part of it was you had a good one. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they showed you what the yeah. results are. Yeah, no, it, 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 it was a complete surprise. I kind of turned around and said, holy crap. So that's what a good scrum master looks like. Right. Now, and, just, and, just, just like that other company of the story that you told is like, okay, let's replicate that. Let's hire another one and another one and it, another it one. It becomes a no brainer. I mean, to them it was a no, it was yeah. fun. And he, I don't think he had a strategy. I think that's how he lucked into mm-hmm. the discussion, but it becomes, it's funny, no brainer. Right. And they picked every team that he was working with. How cool was that? How yeah. cool was that? Because it was that, it was that self-evident. Right. right. So let's segue into the next most common question that, what do you do when leadership doesn't get it? When you're trying to get agile, rock and rolling, but leadership doesn't really understand or they don't buy in, they're not supportive. So they don't want to invest in a scrum master or invest in a product owner. How do you tackle that problem? How do you go about driving the change so that your organization can fully adopt? I'm going to adopt a contrarian view here to Ooh. start with. Ooh, this is exciting. No, I don't know if it's exciting, but I'm going to say you walk away. Mm-hmm. So at some fundamental level, and I'd love to, and please yell at me if it were disagree and debate. I think it's some. I think there's so many organizations that leadership doesn't get it. I'm not, and that's not defined what that is. That's just put it out there. They don't get it, and they're not supportive. Um, but the teams, the team level continues to drive, yeah. and they and and they they are fervently trying to be agile. Their little hearts are in the right place, et cetera, et cetera. I think sometimes those folks should just fold them and say, look, we, we need to have this conversation where it's not just about the teams. It's about organizational agility. It's about business agility. And if you're not, not in a threatening way, but if you're not on board the leadership team, uh, we're going to stop. We're going to mm-hmm. revert to what we're going to stop the initiative. We're going to stop wasting your money. You don't have to buy any scrum masters anymore. And we'll revert to whatever we were doing before uh, and, and just stop it. So I think there's too much pretending and too much pushing and too much forcing mm-hmm. going on. And, and, and they're trying to desperately sell. And, and I, I don't see them as being successful. So I, I actually think they should. One, one response for leaders that don't get it is, is stop pushing. Stop put. Even though it worked for that story you just told. So I still think sometimes, I, I don't know the context there of how mm-hmm. much pushing but I think at some point, it's like pushing soap up a rope. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. At some point, what do you have to do? Right. I think you have to realize that, and, and again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not failing. I, I'm not suggesting throwing in the towel forever, but at some point, just acknowledge the reality on the ground and mm-hmm. say, maybe now is not the time. Right. That's really what I mean by, by throwing the towel, acknowledging clearly and, and don't, don't do that behind the leadership's back. Look them in the, 
I mean, have a meeting. I'm sitting with you, Josh, mm-hmm. and look you in the eye. You're the I'm the I'm the enthusiastic agile team, and you're the pointy headed leader who's mm-hmm. just you. You nod your head and you smile, but you're not supporting me in any way. Right. I, I have that discussion with you and say, Josh, you know what? You don't have to. I'm going to stop putting pressure on you. You know, you haven't been on board with this agile crap. I know you. It's. I know you think you are, but it really. You haven't been supporting us with interrupts. You haven't been supporting us with scrum masters. You haven't been supporting us with all the you know training, with coaching. You haven't. You haven't brought Bob Galen in to to do all that. You're whatever. doomed without that. You're doomed without that. Uh, so you know what? I, I I I woke up last night and I and it, it hit me in the face. And I'm like, damn, right? I've been putting all this pressure on you. Uh, to be agile and it's clearly not comfortable for you so we're going to remove all that pressure and we're going to go back to whatever we were doing before mm-hmm. so why don't you go out and have a cigar and, and, and drink a scotch because it, it, you now got what you want right uh that's a that was a bad role play but just have that conversation that's a, so react to that are you worried about that uh, a little bit i i think you recovered recovered it a bit in that don't try Right. You clearly need to try because it generally starts with education, which your story gave a great example of educating people to understand this is what it looks like when it's done well. And having that example smack in their face really helped support that argument. So start with education because they've, they've never done it either. But then, but the, the, the question is they don't get it. Right. So, and that's so, what, so I went to what you're MD. saying is that. You've had that discussion. So we've done education. Okay, okay. I so bought him books. You went further down the road than I did. Okay. Yeah, 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 I yeah, bo- yeah I We gotcha. bought him books. Yeah. I bought them lunch. Ooh. Out of my own pocket. Come on. I'm doing whatever I can. Gosh. Bob, yeah. Galen, okay. so Bob Galen came in pro bono. You were at the end. Wow. Right, pro bono. For two days, he, he threw us a, I, we negotiated something. Yeah. And he threw us a bone. Uh, we invited 20 leaders and two showed up. And those two didn't get it. Yeah. And the other 18 clearly don't get it. Etc. And 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 it's so. And two years have gone by, mm-hmm. or a year and a half has gone by. So I, I'm I'm saying at some point, and and what and why I'm saying it's not a failure point. I actually think it's a rallying cry. Well, it gets back to things we talked about. Of are are you really in a place that will succeed with agile? Yeah. The other thing is it might get their attention. Mm-hmm. This is that radical candor. This is a crucial conversation. Do you know what I'm? Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're not just throwing we're. It's real, it's truthful, it's calling them out for mm-hmm. bad behavior. It's not, I mean, I don't think anyone wants to go into that conversation and quit. It's actually maybe a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. I would, And I could see many leaders like waking up and saying, what? No, 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 we can't do that. What part do I have to play? <laughs> maybe, right. maybe I've been dropping, you know, you're right, I've been dropping the ball. Damn it, I need to step up. I need yeah. to step my game up here. So it's not all, it's not all failure, but it's like literally that come to Jesus, call them out. And I don't think a lot of that happens. So you have this game where the teams keep trying and the leaders just continue to don't get it, mm-hmm. but there's never that sort of come to Jesus yeah. moment. Okay. And then it just sort of, I buy it. Yeah. And then it piddles out, mm-hmm. right? And eventually, so if there's not alignment, it eventually fails. Mm-hmm. Which hurts, which hurts the lead. If it's really an initiative at an organizational level, then it hurts everyone. It right. hurts the leader as well. But that's, that's one, that's one way. Now let's come back to your healthy. That was that concept. Well, no, I, you, training. You, you, you 
you drove me to the point of you've already done all that. So you've started but with what the education. Is that? For, but for the right. Metacasters, there's training right. that we can do. To me, it's recognizing that, okay, they have a minimal understanding of what Agile is. They've never seen it, just like I never saw a good Scrum Master. So I didn't really buy into it until I saw it. So find a way to show them what good looks like. I think that's a key. So I went to off the deep yeah. end, but... I think one key along the way is show them. Yeah. Don't tell. So tell them lightly. Show them strongly. Yeah. Right. Show them. Show them. Show them. And something that's been very powerful is at the do that we we ended up hosting a lot of companies. So people that were trying to drive transformations inside of their own company, they would invite their leaders or their teams to I come like out that. and so see this a, and so say, hey, a, it's like going to the zoo. Like, hey, that's what a lion looks like. We've talked about a lion. That's a lion. So what was cool is I was at a client uh, earlier this week, and they brought up the dude. Mm-hmm. And they brought up the dude historically in that they had visited you guys, yeah. I think, while you were still there. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, you know that board you had that you guys built, mm-hmm. a release planning board out of wood yeah. that was kind of cool yeah. with the little panels that could move yeah, around? Right. They were talking about that from a release planning perspective. But that's So that's part of showing is showing internally, but also visiting other places. Right. And showing them how it could be mm-hmm. and giving them like network collaboration mm-hmm. and examples. Uh, that's very effective. Yeah. Again, it, it's, it's understanding. It's just a concept in their mind. And just as when you're teaching anybody anything, giving them example or having, having a picture or something, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. It's hard to get a picture, but you can go take somebody and see it and experience it and understand it and in a good environment all of those things happen it's more than just seeing it you really yeah. experience it and you understand it uh, and that and that will help them start to crystallize and have an idea or a vision of what it can become what about the leaders who think they get it and don't so i think you've got to do the same thing really i so, I, so I, I encounter a lot of those. Yeah. Like they, you know, you have this conversation. It's like, yeah, Bob, I've been doing agile since I was three years old and I've done 18 transformations. And, right. you know, I have say, I sleep with safe pictures around me on my pillow, blah, blah, blah. So you really can't, I need you to coach my teams, mm-hmm. but I don't need you to coach me. Mm-hmm. I'm, the only reason I'm engaging you is I don't have the time. And then you realize that their behavior is sort of totally, uh, totally you know, against any agile principles, what do you do with the same thing? Show them, show them, show them. So I think show them is always a good tactic, but then I would ask, well, how, how are you getting better? Right? Like a, a foundation of agile is continuous improvement. So how can I help you continually improve as an external coach? That's the approach I yep. would take. It's like, okay, so I get it. You, you're good. It doesn't mean you can't, Keep learning stuff, right? So and, let's and another agile principle is humility. I yeah, think, I think. Oh, you, there's that. Too. I think you missed that. I did. I miss that. All not the time. you personally. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing that to my role play. Oh, okay, right? okay, sorry, sir. Like that humble humility servant leadership thing that in chapter one point two, <laughs> you clearly missed that. <laughs> exactly. So, I, but but to me, it comes back with with trying to connect people to what it really is and what it really isn't yeah. because there are so many misconceptions and theories about what it is and what it isn't. And again, just like me with the scrum master role, I had this perception of what it was and I was wrong because right. I had never seen it executed. Welly, but you really, did I just say welly? Yeah, that was wrong. <laughs> that, was, that was, that was wrongly. Wow. But that I want to, and we'll wrap this up. I, yeah. I, I, 
you're a different leader. Mm-hmm. You're a good leader and you're insightful. And, mm-hmm. don't, and don't let that go to your head. Oh, you're head. absolutely right. But, but you are the smartest things you've ever but said. But you are. You, you, so you're receptive to, and you're thoughtful and you're trying to get better. Handsome. <laughs> I can't. That stopped me in my tracks. I didn't even. Sorry, Josh. Yes, you're ha- you're okay, you're a good looking dude. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, but but not all leaders. Right. The the basis of that question that I'm talking, I think, is that there are a lot of leaders that just don't get it. Right. And yeah. that and that's why I went to the deep end. Yeah. At I some point, you. we have to like look them in the eye in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And have that really hard conversation of like you don't really understand this, and I think there's you know probably it's a large number. There's a lot of leaders who are going agile who don't mm-hmm. who don't understand, and this. that will tell you everything about that leader, and that will tell you everything about that and the viability of your agile instance mm-hmm. yep. and where you're going. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely, because they may have just been off track, and you pull them back on track, or or they really show you it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And and then you can make decisions depending mm-hmm. on your role, et cetera. According, a final point: you can't make anyone get it; they right. have to get it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the story of the dude: no one shoved it. In fact, this was your revelation, right? Mm-hmm. You observed, mm-hmm. you internalized it, you changed, mm-hmm. right? You changed your mindset. Yep. No one made transparency. Yes, good scrum master. Yes. You had to recognize and Correct. decide to change. Yeah, that's that, and that's the really the thing I'm saying. It's inside. It's an inside out job. Mm-hmm. You can't. If we're every day we're trying to make make Bob agile, make mm-hmm. Bob agile, make Bob agile, make him get it, make him get it. That that's not an effective strategy. Right. Bob or whoever your leader has to have, yeah. they have to want that. Right. What's the What's the, the next third one? one? I don't know. The third one. You had two ideas. You documentation. Brought documentation. Yeah. That's right. I, we don't have to do that. We don't. We we don't have to. Design things, we so, just write code, right? So I've been doing this, you know, I've been doing this agile stuff for like a long time. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, maybe it's come maybe 20 years, like 90, you know, late 90s. So that's. You are the agile Methuselah. No, there's other Methuselahs, but, uh, but, but consistently for 20 freaking years, I've gotten challenged. Well, this, you know, this, how do you handle documentation? Because Agile says that we don't write anything down. And how do you so and in our environment, we're a medical regulated company or we're a hardware company or we're distributed around the world. I'm doing a, a general impression. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how does it it doesn't work for us? And I just I just I've applied different answers to it and but I get that question over and over again. And today, to this day, I still get it relatively frequently. It's almost at least once every conference is the D word comes up mm-hmm. a lot, very often nowadays it's, it's sort of uh, in conjunction with distributed teams okay, or in conjunction with at scale. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like a distributed team kind of thing. So I'm, what do we, what do we say I, around I, I the, guess D, the, the D word? How do people get there? Like where does that concept come from? Cause it's, I've heard it's the it. manifesto. It's the manifesto. So something is something over dot planning and documentation. Oh, I think it's the second. Uh, I, Element of the manifesto. So they're misreading over. Right? Over. They're missing. The, so in the manifesto. It doesn't say not. It doesn't say Well, that's my default answer most yeah. of the time is it doesn't say don't do it. 
It says be lean about it, mm-hmm. right? It it says that eighteen feet of documentation might not be necessary right, yeah. to communicate an architecture. Maybe a simple whiteboard yeah. diagram might suffice, or might not suffice. So then, do more documentation. Right. Yeah. The other thing is documentation up front, right? Requirements mm-hmm. up front versus doing them incrementally, right? Right, and that's the other thing that folks really struggle with is this no emergent documentation. Mm-hmm. It's like what? How can you? How, how can that work? So what do we what do we say to those folks? I I actually have argued that the needs for documentation are increased in an agile environment, and all it does is it just to your point it changes when you do it. Instead of doing it all up front, you smear it across the project and you do it just in time, just so, as needed to minimize the waste. So you only document what you really need, but for it to be effective, you have to have the supporting documentation around so many of those things. Are the conversations part? So you know the story. It's mm-hmm. like you know the three C's, uh, card, confirmation, conversation, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't necessarily – you could record them, but it's, right. it's not written down. It could be. Uh, is that part, so are conversations part of the documentation? Yeah, to me, because they end up driving the documentation. They, they end up driving the acceptance criteria. Okay. And the business value, which eventually folds into the business rules that get documented and all the steps and approaches to do something in the right. product that you've built. So it is the thing that evolves into the documentation in its final state, but it, it is that foundation that allows you to effectively document things right i mean one thing there's one aspect that i've seen is like cya so someone writes something down not to communicate value mm-hmm. but to cover their butt right so well i wrote it down this way yeah and you didn't read it you know so and you didn't read the plan or a test manager writes down some strategy and but then the team burns out or the strategy doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. So test managers like, well, I'm off the hook. I were, I, I told right. them what to do. They just didn't, you know, do it. So there's these anti patterns associated with documentation. So CYAB. So the doc doing the documentation to cover your butt is an anti pattern. Uh, doing the documentation because the process told you to do it, mm-hmm. but it's really not necessary. Is is waste. Right. So that would be another sort of anti-pattern. Uh, writing too much too soon, mm-hmm. right? Before you know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> right. is another anti-pattern. Uh, taking solace. Um, like having someone who knows a lot as a SME. I, I, I once consulted with this company. I, I, tra- I gave them some training on product ownership, but it was a medical systems company, and the, and the, the product owners were nurses, mostly mm-hmm. RNs. And they were writing these huge, huge user stories to communicate all of this. So they were, they were the SMEs. They right. understood everything. So on the one hand, they were complaining that, well, these stories, you know, no one, I thought we could write shorter stories. But on the other hand, they, because they had all this wisdom, they, they forced themselves to write stories, mm-hmm. right? To write these huge stories. And then they were like, and no one's asking me any questions. There's no collaboration. Well, I'm like, you wrote everything freaking down. Right. Right. It's like, why don't you write less? What are you talking about? I'm like, just write less and do it incrementally. Well, it was that sort of, there's comfort in these big honking yeah. things. There's, there's comfort, but it doesn't drive value. Mm-hmm. And we all know. It, 
it ends up being a CYA document, essentially. If I write everything down, yep. I can't be held responsible at all for it not it's being your pro- It's your yeah. problem for not being. Right. Even if I didn't write it down, right. there was enough there that you should have you should have inferred it yeah. from the 8 yeah. billion words right. that I wrote down. That right? is your checkbox that I did my job, leave me alone. Yeah, very, mu- very much that, right? So it's trying to guide folks into seeing that. Uh, the other thing is agile... I mean, you could produce a huge honking document out of an Agile team if mm-hmm. it has value. Mm-hmm. And I usually answer that way as well. So in some domains, if if you need more documentation, do it. Uh, but the other thing I've always said with Agile doc, or with documentation in Agile is if you write it once, you better make sure it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Like for So if if something changes every sprint, you better go back and update the documentation, just like you would update the code. Mm-hmm. So if we write code, it has value, so keep it up. If we write a document, it has value, like a little design. So a, a big honkin' plan document, you better suck it. If it has value, right. then suck it up and adjust it every time the plan changes. Or lean it so that it doesn't have that effect, yeah. but but focus on the value. So someone has to decide value, and then there's a trade-off. If we spend more time writing writing docs, we spend less time writing code. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Does our is, is that the right value proposition for our customer to produce value? Um, but again, it's one of those things. I I don't. I think folks want sort of a defined. Give me the recipe. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what, we want templates. Right. Right. I think folks want. Oh, show me the agile requirement template instead that that gives me permission to write. Yeah. It's less. a CYA thing. It's a right because they don't want to put the time in to figure out what's right for their environment, for their need, for their product. So just give me something so I can it's say like I did my due diligence, and I'm like, yep, done. Check, check, right. done. So it, and I don't have to think. Yeah. And I hate that. That's actually part of the thinking. Is it's it part of the problem is. And, and I think Waterfall did this, and it's human nature. Mm-hmm. We want to just have a checklist. Tell me what you want me to do. Yeah. I'll do it, and you own it. Right. Because right? there's no risk. And there's no risk. Because you told me what to do, so there's no risk. I just did what you told me to do. Exactly. Exactly. So there's no empowerment. There's no buy-in. It's just going through the motions. Yeah. That's really the essence of that question, I think, sometimes, mm-hmm. right, is sort of that lack of – wanting that lack of accountability. It's that, it, that documentation is a trap to some degree, I mm-hmm. think, right? That whole question is sort of a trap. So that's three. Did that's we, three. Did we have any more? Do we have – how much time? Are We're we good. done? We're Stick good. a fork yeah, in it? Yeah, a big giant one. A big giant one? A big giant fork. Okay. <laughs> I'm just looking at no? you. Well, see, I'm, I'm looking at your head, and I'm saying, "Big giant head, uh, big giant fork." Geez, here like, we go. I, I had to. I had. I had to go there. I could, that's where my brain went. After all those compliments, you had to tear me down. No, no, those compliments still stand. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're the. I'm best. fine then. Say you're one you of the, want. You're one of the best leaders I know, Josh. Perfect. Okay, there we there go. There you go. We'll end it that Can way. Can you say that again? You're one of the best leaders I know, Josh. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Wait, Carolina. I, I want to bask in this moment. All right, bask away. Metacasters, this is like a large, uh, aqua, like ocean-based mammal rolling around on a very large beach, having fun. Hold it, hold it. Let him bask. Oh, he's turning himself over. Wait for it. Wait for it. Takes a little time. Ah. Okay, good. I'm done. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Are you done? Okay. Yeah. So- All right. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And big. Take care, y'all.